All right, Nuggets folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am not excited to come to you today because holy hell was last night an atrocity on several levels. Uh, Denver was the top seed in the Western Conference, facing the bottom seed in the Western Conference, and lo and behold, it did not matter because the better team won last night, and I think the Spurs proved that just having good efforts and having good process and attacking weaknesses is good enough to beat pretty much any team in the NBA when you get hot shooting. And we're we're not going to spend that much time on this game because I have other things that I really want to talk about that are really what are on my mind based off of everything that I've seen over the course of these last few weeks. Uh, We will get to those in the second and third segments shortly. But in this first segment, everyone, we will be discussing... The loss last night, which I watched at the DNVR bar. Those guys are fantastic. Really enjoy uh, just the camaraderie of hanging out with them. Uh, Hung out with some friends, Jenna Garcia, Nadia. Uh, Those two are fantastic as well. Uh, Obviously, you guys know Jenna. She was just on the show. Uh, It was great, and we had a good time. And obviously, Denver losing was pretty ugly. But in my perspective... It's not that bad, and we'll get to why in the third segment, because Denver has this major cushion. The fallout of it just sucks. It just really, really sucks. And all of the conversations surrounding this game, surrounding several games from the Nuggets over the course of the last three, four, five, six weeks, uh, perhaps longer, uh, it has just been disgusting. And I will be talking about that here very shortly. But first, we're going to get into it. Nikola Jokic, 37 points last night, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 steals, and some horrific defense. Um, This is going to be a theme for the starting lineup, despite the fact that there were guys that put up some numbers, that put up some really good steal, steal and block numbers. There were some moments where everybody really locked in. I thought the first quarter for the team last night was really, really good. They showed what happens when you care. And then the care just kind of went away, and with it, I think all of the defense at the rim, all of the point attack, point of attack defense, and Jokic is going to bear the brunt of this criticism, as he should. Uh, look, here's the thing. Jokic is not a rim protector. Jokic will never be a rim protector. That is never going to be who he is, and that's fine. It doesn't preclude... Denver from winning at the highest levels because he is the best offensive player in the world and the Nuggets, when they are locked in, can figure out how to navigate those mistakes that he makes or the lack of uh, athleticism that he has. That will always be a thing. However, the baseline for Jokic on the defensive end is horrible because of that lack of athleticism, because of that lack of burst and the ability to recover and make up for, hey, I didn't do my work early on this possession. I didn't put myself into position to block this shot or at least contest this shot in a good position as opposed to kind of swiping to the side and not getting in the way and avoiding picking up fouls and things like that. Jokic is always going to be like that. And at least, especially now in game, well, it was game 67 of the regular season. And the dude is not a good defender when he doesn't want to be. And that's always going to plague Denver. Unfortunately, 
right now in this scope of this MVP race and in the scope of Denver's pressure that they are facing this year, he's been put under a microscope. And we'll talk about that next. But I, in general, I think that he's the guy that's going to receive a whole bunch of excess criticism for this. And, and he has been bad. I think these last three games have been some of his worst defense that he's ever played. And it doesn't matter because Denver's at the one seed and he's still probably the MVP frontrunner because of the numbers that he's put up for the first 67 games. Time will tell on that. And I've, I've still got other thoughts on that. But last night was like, look, you can see 37, 11 and 11, put up a triple double. The Nuggets are now 25 and one when he records a triple double. And I think that matters. I think that undefeated streak actually did matter for the MVP race. And people are start going to, they're they're gonna start looking a little bit more closely at some of those things and, and it's gonna be relitigated over and over and over again. And it's bad for a lot of reasons. And I'll get into that in just a bit. But look, good numbers. Bad, bad loss. Jamal Murray broke the franchise record for threes. He was awesome in a couple of ways, had three steals, two blocks. And also played horrific defense last night. He even put up, like, I saw Jokic put up three steals. Both of those guys played horrific defense in a lot of ways. They didn't close out. They didn't stay attached. They didn't, like, they. I saw multiple times where Murray got back cut. And they didn't get back in transition in a lot of good ways. Murray is culpable in that, as is the rest of the starting lineup, as you're going to start to see a theme in some of the banners that I throw up here. But Murray got the franchise record for three-pointers made and was a part of a really strong uh, a really strong first quarter for the Nuggets. And then, like everybody else, kind of fell back into an ugly rhythm. I, I do think that he played pretty well in the second quarter, too, at least keeping Denver above water on offense. Like, I, I thought he did some good things. And yet, uh, he only finishes with 24 points. I think he shot 9 of 21 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3. Didn't really get to the free throw line. It, it was not good. It was it was not a good performance for Jamal Murray. He also takes culpability in something like this. And Denver, they lost to the worst team in the league because of one end of the floor. But if, if you're looking to outscore a team like the Spurs, you have to convert. And 24 points on 21 shots is just not going to get it done. Sorry. Michael Porter Jr. had one ejection. Man, good for him. Uh, I, look, I'm, I'm kidding. I actually was very happy for the way that Mike stood up for himself and the poster dunk that he had that led up to that ejection where Zach Collins got into his face. Um, it was a fantastic poster dunk. And seeing that athleticism kind of come back and seeing him have the confidence to really rise up in that situation is really good for him. It's really good for the Nuggets. It shows a comfort level and a level of coordination and athleticism that you just would not have seen from him at the beginning of the season. He continues to progress in a lot of ways, and that's great. But he also didn't impact the game in any way outside of one deep three, one dunk, and one ejection. He, like many others, played horrific defense. He allowed uh, Doug McDermott to go off by not getting around screens, by not closing out properly, by not staying attached to one of the best shooters on the opposing team. And it got the Spurs the lead in that second quarter. That's tough. Uh, Denver did not involve him enough on the offensive end. 
they did not look for him enough. Jokic was very aggressive looking for his own offense, and then Jamal kind of found his own rhythm around that. And then I think KCP, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter were kind of left a little bit dry, a little bit out on the ledge, not knowing what to do on the offensive end for the rest of the game. And for Michael Porter, the rest of the game was five minutes into the third when he posterized Zach Collins, and that was great. Like It, it was a fantastic play. I, I'm glad that he stood up for himself, put his, put his hand around Zach Collins' throat when he got right into his face. Do I condone that? No, not really. Did it make for a cool image? Absolutely. That was pretty funny. But I do think that, look, it's nice to see Michael Porter stand up for himself in that situation. But this game was clearly not bigger than that to a lot of guys. And I think that the priorities are all out of whack in a lot of ways. I I think that he's got to bounce back with a strong performance on both ends of the court against Brooklyn. And the Nuggets will have to kind of follow suit. But look, he he was not the problem, I don't think. I, I think that there were other aspects of this game. He's way down the list, but I don't think that he played well either. So is what it is. Aaron Gordon. I thought that Aaron Gordon had a crappy game. I do not think that he played well. I do not think that he... Uh, made a solid imprint on the game. I think that he was one of the guys, especially in that third quarter where Denver, they didn't really know what to do. Uh, I think that he made some weird decisions. Like, actually, I think it was more in the second than in the third. But in the middle of that game, there were some odd possessions that Aaron Gordon had on both ends of the floor where he just kind of gave up possessions and took wide, took odd shots and couldn't really fit into what the Nuggets were doing. And then he also never locked in on the defensive end. Had a steal, had a block, that's great. But there's a lot of guys that have to take culpability for what you just saw. And Aaron Gordon's definitely one of those guys. He was not good. And I thought he got outplayed by Keldon Johnson pretty pretty seriously. Um, go back to the box score. Yeah, Keldon Johnson, plus nine in that game, 23 points, eight rebounds, six assists. Aaron Gordon was only a net neutral on the plus minus and and had a steal, had a block. Definitely wasn't like, like he was fine. Um, He was three of three inside the arc and took a couple odd threes. Uh, Teams are going to dare him to make shots. And and he did make one that caused, uh, that caused the Spurs to take a timeout, but he could not get his, uh, his, what am I trying to say? Like, like his energy level up to where it needed to be in that fourth quarter. And that led to a lot of mistakes by the Denver defense. And I'm, I'm not going to put it all on him because like I've said with everybody else, it is a unit. This, this team is a unit that is struggling, not just one player, not just uh, a couple of, res- not just a couple of residual players, but I do think that there's a lot to kind of go into this one. And I'm just pretty upset about uh, the way, not not upset. Let me let me rephrase that. I am pretty frustrated and annoyed by Denver's lack of energy, even though I understand it. Uh, Aaron Gordon's one of those guys. And then finally, KCP with that starting unit, thirteen points, four steals, one block, <laughs> some some great numbers. Got through some got through some pretty impressive screens by the opposing team, and was able to make some good contests. And yet he also played horrific defense because the unit as a whole played horrific defense. Nobody gets a pass. You see the numbers. I think the Spurs made mistakes. 
I think that they allowed the Nuggets to take control of that game, and the Nuggets never did. Uh, KCP is one of those guys. He is probably the one that has the least culpability in all of this because I think that his energy level and his desire to make plays is uh, at the requisite level that it should be. And he's like he gets the horrific defense tag because everybody on the unit gets the horrific defense tag. Nobody is uh, like everybody's guilty by association in this one is what I what I will say. Uh, it's brutal. It's it's brutal. This was a ugly way for the starters to approach the game where you get out to an, a strong lead. You show up in the first quarter and then like all of October and November and half of December, you then let the opposing team creep back into it and then scoot right past you and then not have any energy to really fix it at the end. And Denver had the opportunities in that late game. KCP made some clutch shots late in the game. He like he was part of the reason why they were still attached and probably the biggest reason why they were still attached. But he gets the horrific defense tag, just like everybody else. Um, I would love to be able to credit KCP for being an all-defense guy. I'd love to be able to credit AG for being an all-defense guy. But the fact is that Denver doesn't have all-defense guys. Like, and, and one of the reasons is because they kind of go through this these lulls where it's everybody. The defense is everybody. It's tough to really focus in on one guy and say, oh, yeah, you are uh, you are not good enough. Because I, I think that there's a lot of aspects for why this defense hasn't been good enough against the freaking Spurs. But I think that KCP is as close to an all-defense guy as the Nuggets have ever had. And yet the Nuggets gave up 128 against the worst team in the league. So things are going well. Um, real quick, we're gonna I'm gonna share some bench takes before we hit a break. Um, the first half bench lineup was Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, and Thomas Bryant. It wasn't good. It wasn't horrible, but it certainly wasn't good. And I think that Christian Brown was in like he was involved. He was doing a couple of good things here or there. He hit a kick out three. He was think it was the only points that they scored at one point during the second quarter. Was the ball swing, swing, swing to the corner, and Christian Brown hits the only shot that he attempted pretty much the entire game. Uh, actually, he had he missed a shot in the paint. Uh, I, I yeah, I'm looking at that now. Missed a shot in the paint, but he did grab an offensive rebound. He had a plus minus of zero in his seven minutes. Obviously, it could have been better, but Denver like the, the unit wasn't great. So what does Michael Malone decide to do? I don't know why this is a banner. Let me change that here real quick. He decides to bench Christian Brown because KCP was was obviously the veteran that the veteran presence that they needed in that lineup, and it definitely wasn't the fact that Reggie Jackson was dribbling around everywhere and not really actually attacking the paint and not really uh, getting good shots for the rest of the team and that the other bits of spacing were really bad and that obviously KCP was going to solve everything. Uh, I jest, obviously. KCP was minus five. The rest of the bench, minus seven, minus four, minus seven, minus six. And Christian Brown, who in seven minutes was a plus minus of zero. So he was he was definitely the issue in that first half. I just want to make that clear. Now, like I, I think that the, the keys here 
are that Reggie Jackson has continued to fail the test. Every single time the Nuggets have every single time the Nuggets have needed him to step up, he's failed outside of one game. And in the one game, he almost kind of stumbled into success where he was dribbling around and doing some crazy things in much of that, in much of the, gosh, which game even was it? Was it the Memphis game? I don't even remember. Uh, he had a really, he had a pretty nice game. Maybe it was against Toronto, but it felt like for much of this time that Reggie Jackson has not been leading the bench unit in a way that actually has helped the bench. And I do think in general that Reggie Jackson has looked a lot like Bruce Brown. I didn't pull the numbers for Reggie and for his num- his time in Denver so far because I didn't want to depress the audience, but Reggie has not been good. And as much as the Nuggets have wanted to give him the opportunity to kind of break out of whatever slump he's been in, the fact is that's not a slump if it continues to happen every single game and that he hasn't had a game where he's really made great decisions with the basketball outside of against the Houston Rockets. And pardon me, I'm not going to give him that much credit for that. I think that there are opportunities for him to step up. I think there are opportunities, like this team needs somebody outside of Bruce Brown to make something happen because Bruce Brown has regressed since probably December, January. Those were the Time, that was the time of year where Bruce was at his best. And do I think that Bruce Brown will be better in the playoffs? Sure. But like a lot of guys, I think Bruce Brown has become a little bit complacent with what his role is. I think that he has made bad decisions. And the fact is, is that every single combination that Bruce Brown has been a part of with the bench has been bad. There have been no good combinations. And Bruce has not elevated that group in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know if that was the desire when bringing him in. I know that he was a guy who was going to compliment Jokic first and foremost, but the fact is that Bruce has not found a rhythm in any of the bench units that the Nuggets have set out for him. Early on in the season, the lineup of Bones Highland, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan was good, but you replaced Bruce Brown in there in place of Christian Brown, and it was bad. And The reason why I say that is because Bones is now not on the team and not playing for the Clippers. Michael Porter was the one stacker. And then Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan was one of the worst duos that the Nuggets have featured off the bench this year. And yet, that lineup was still able to make it work. There are a lot of reasons to trust Bruce Brown in the playoffs because of his malleability and his ability to fit in around whatever the Nuggets need for him at the time with the starters. But the reason why the Nuggets have been so bad off the bench, because Bruce has not been able to find out how to fit in, he hasn't. The three has regressed. He went 0 of 3 tonight, or last night. And I think that he is coming back down to earth. And the Nuggets are learning really quickly that they need a guy like Reggie Jackson who can step up and make some decisions. Because it would not surprise me if Bruce's role regressed a little bit in the postseason. Because they're going to find out really quickly that unless he can ratchet it up defensively and really get into point of attack defense, then how much of his role is actually just kind of being a jack of all trades and really a master at none? 
I think Nuggets fans thought that they were getting a strong point of attack defender who could do a little bit of everything on the offensive end and would be a better decision maker than he has been. And the fact is that it just it just has not been the case. Uh, I do think that Denver can be fine, but the last thing, uh, that we'll talk about the MVP race next. Thomas Bryant, I don't know what to tell you, folks. I don't know what to tell you. The offensive rating when Thomas Bryant is on the court in his, like since the All-Star break is 90.6 in 103 minutes. With Jokic on the court, it's 121.1. And the defense, even with Thomas Bryant trying, like Thomas is trying really hard on the defense, and Jokic is clearly not. Uh, the defense has been less than three, like less than three points per possession, like three points per 100 possessions better with Thomas out there. And yet the offense has been 30 points worse. 30. That's, that is a pretty big swing. And it's not entirely because of the personnel around him. Although that certainly hasn't helped. I don't think that Reggie has been a good defender. I don't think that Bruce has been a good defender, although he got a nice pick six in the game yesterday. That was one play. Good for Bruce. Um, Thomas hasn't affected anything. And if anything, he's made things worse. Denver's got to figure that out. Because that that's the thing over these last 15 games that I am most concerned about, I'm most curious about. And I think that right now, I, I still think that there are six guys that I'm penciling into the rotation. It's the starters and Bruce. And you would hope that Thomas Bryant could have stepped in. But the team has been so bad during these minutes that I don't know whether they can actually count on that. Reggie Jackson, kind of same thing. I don't know whether they can count on him. I think Vlaco Chanchar is going to be somebody that they'll, they'll count on, but he was available last last night for playing. But Jeff Green stepped in and was fine. I mean, Jeff wasn't a super high energy guy himself, and definitely one of the reasons why they lost the game. But like, not the biggest reason for sure. It is still pretty disappointing the way that the the bench has kind of coalesced. And the fact is, is that the fit between Jeff Green and Thomas Bryant has been bad. The fit between Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant has been bad. The fit between Reggie Jackson and Bruce Brown has been bad. The fit between everybody on that unit has been bad. And Denver's got a lot to figure out. Like, they're going to have to figure out which players they can actually trust because I do not know who they are. And I know that that sounds harsh. I know that that's pretty disappointing for Nuggets fans. But you are never not going to get honesty from me on this. And I do not believe in sugarcoating. The, like, if you lose to the Spurs, it, it's one thing. But they lost to the Spurs and they gave up 128 points immediately on the heels of a performance that Michael Malone said was not indicative of who we are. And that's, I'm sorry, this is now a trend. This is who the Nuggets are at this point in March. And if they don't turn it around, then they will go and ass backwards into the playoffs and probably lose in the first round to the Lakers if they approach it like this. If they continue to take things not seriously, they're going to have to take something seriously. And they can't continue to hemorrhage points off the bench and and act like everything's going to be okay. Because it's just not. And, and Thomas Bryant is a part of that, as is pretty much everybody else. Um, CT says, might be time to overhaul and put Brown, Zeke, and Vlacko into the rotation. Uh, if Zeke is available, then sure. That would be great. That would be nice. I don't know if that's going to actually happen because I don't know if he's going to be healthy. 
I think that Christian Brown should play every night because he's at least going to try and focus in on the mistakes, and that's going to be his window into the rotation. I think that Vlatko, once he gets healthy, should be a rotation staple. Those guys provide the most defense and versatility and willingness to do what the team says, and they make the fewest mistakes in general. So that would be great if they were able to do that. Whether that actually happens or not, that remains to be seen. All right. Tell you what, folks, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to do something and we're going we're gonna to have a really fun conversation about the MVP race and how it's bad for the NBA, because that's exactly what I want to talk about right now. That's very sarcastic. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every single week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So go download the Superbook Sports app now or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas. Visit Superbook.com. Four terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Glad we have some folks in the chat. I didn't want to do this last night. One, because I just wanted to enjoy my my night and have fun. Uh, The other being, there was nothing worth talking about last night. Everybody can be mad today. and, And I think it's important to kind of cool down and be able to have honest takes. Do I think that my takes were cool now? Probably not. Because it is still frustrating. And if you're a Nuggets fan, you should be frustrated at the team for just not giving a damn about this game last. And I understand why. I, I definitely understand why. But if you are if you know me, you know that I, I try to keep it real. I try to keep it honest, objective, and fair. That's my goal. And the hope is that the Nuggets actually do the same when they realize that things are not great. Uh, but look, it is what it is. They'll figure it out. Let's now go to the MVP race. Obviously, everybody knows what happened over the course of these last few weeks. Kendrick Perkins questioned the integrity of Nikola Jokic with the stat padding comments. Uh, Since then, there have been a lot of folks that have come to Nikola's defense on that, including Draymond Green on a podcast a couple days ago. I think everybody should go check out. I think Draymond, he, I, I don't agree with some of what he says, but he does have fascinating takes. And coming from a player who has played against Jokic for a long time and defended him really well uh, over the course of these last few few years, I think that he knows just about better than anybody that has a public platform and also is objective in this conversation, where or as, as objective as anybody can really get with this. But in general, I am just super disappointed at the way that the MVP race has colored my coverage of 
just how things are supposed to be in the NBA. What's the goal for teams in the NBA? It's to win a championship. How do you win a championship? Well, you surround yourself with great players. You get the best possible players you can get. And not every player is the same. There are players that have strengths, like Jokic's passing and his creativity and his ability to lift up teammates and also his scoring ability when he wants to. And or you could have a guy like Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo or Jason Tatum or Luka Doncic or any of these other guys that are fantastic at what they do. And everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses. And there's been a very strong focus on Jokic's weaknesses, especially his defense, over the course of these last few weeks. And it has reached a peak in terms of the disgusting, like, uh, takes that, that have really showed up on the timeline and how everybody is now looking at Jokic, especially in these last three games after they beat the Memphis Grizzlies and not effectively wrapped up the one seed, but put them in a, in a position where it's just impossibly hard for teams like Sacramento and Memphis to reach Denver. And we'll talk about that in the third segment. But Jokic turned off his brain on the defensive end last week. Once they locked in and and defeated Memphis, and Jokic's defense in that game was great, by the way. Nobody really wants to mention that. Uh, Once they locked in, or once once he kind of turned it off, the clips that have come out, there have been low-light reels that have come out on his defense over each of these last three games where both Milwaukee fans and Philly fans are making these compilations of his horrible defense. And it has been horrible. I want to stress that, that this has been really bad. And Nuggets fans, you should feel defensive, but only to a point. Like, you have to be honest with yourself as well when it comes to how much people are trying, how much people care. And Jokic does not care about the defensive end right now, and that's fine. But it is an honest take. But what has turned that is like the, what the, the context that has been missing from that is that Denver is basically locked up the one seed and Jokic doesn't have to try. And it's not a requirement for them to be in the best possible case that they need to be as a team because there are some things that they need to do before game 82, like before the first round of the playoffs. They'll need to figure some things out, but they have very few tests like that for the rest of the year. And their tests are not the Spurs and the Chicago Bulls and the Toronto Raptors yet. That has been brought to light. In my mind, this MVP race with Jokic out in the lead, the straw poll, and the absolute hate wall that has reached over the course of these last few weeks, it has been extremely ugly. And it's frankly disappointing that this is the way that the NBA is being covered right now because... For the Nuggets, they've reached their goals. They don't need to continue to push for the MVP. It is something that Jokic doesn't really want to push for. He's clearly not pushing for it right now. If anything, he's trying to push against it right now. He's actually actively trying in a lot of ways to not score a bunch of points. Now, I think that he was angry yesterday and wanted to show that he could score and really tried to put the game into his own hands. And yet it didn't matter because... He was trying on one end and didn't really try on the other. Now, I, I want to stress that 
The point of attack defense was also horrible. The rotation defense and closing out to shooters was also horrible. A lot about Denver's defense, and not just Jokic, was horrible. He's going to take the brunt of it, though, because it's so easy to clip all of these shots that are at the rim. It's very, very easy and very, very easy cannon fodder for making this race super ugly. And it has been disgusting as a Nuggets kind of media person, Nuggets analyst. It's been disgusting to have to navigate this because on one hand, I want to defend Jokic. And on the other hand, I understand why these fans are so pissed off. But to get to this point, it's just been, it's been brutal. And I keep having to remind myself that this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be the best season that the Nuggets have ever had, that they will ever have. And yet, if the MVP race is kind of caught up in all of this, then all of this still is, like, people are not going to care. Like, they're not going to care about, like, if you give him the MVP with the way that he has played defense over the course of these la- of this last week, it, it doesn't really factor in uh, anything else. Like, if you give it to him, and then Denver loses before getting to, let's say, the NBA Finals, then it's going to be unbearably difficult for Nuggets fans. I think that social media is going to rip the Nuggets apart. They've become the villains. Jokic has become a villain because he has been really good, because the Nuggets have been really good, and because for some reason the rest of the NBA will not credit anybody on the Nuggets outside of Jokic. It has been a self-fulfilling prophecy where they have put him on a pedestal in order to rip out the pedestal from under him. And I'm very frustrated about that as somebody who wants guys like Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, even Michael Malone to have some success and some credit for what they have done. I think that so much of this has been put on a pedestal for Nuggets fans to be the villains of the NBA. And they have been treated as such. Nobody likes the Nuggets. Nobody cares about Denver fans. Like, it's just, it's just not going to be a thing. And Nuggets fans have felt that over and over and over again. They feel lesser over and over and over again. Because you have people on ESPN going on and saying, yeah, the Lakers will, will beat the Nuggets in the first round. Like, that is still not going to happen, by the way. I, I know I said it earlier. That, look, it could happen. It's not going to, because I firmly believe that the Nuggets are going to turn things around over the course of these next 15. They're going to approach things in a healthy enough way to clinch by the time that they need to clinch. And then when Jokic and the Nuggets have to lock in, they will. Like, I do firmly believe that. But these gaps in time have made it so that every single second of the regular season, you know, the regular season that... NBA fans have also been told doesn't matter. Uh, Everything is litigated. Everything is put under a microscope. Every single mistake, every single moment, every single turnover, every single second in the fourth quarter, everything has been litigated to a point where even though Denver has one of the best clutch defenses in the NBA, it, it won't matter because teams will have watched this game against the San Antonio Spurs of all teams, and they will emphasize just how horrible Denver's defense is. And it was horrible. It was. But it's also the wrong answer to these questions about Denver. 
their questions should be surrounding what happens in the playoffs. What does what what does it look like when Denver is trying hard? Because we've seen it, and it's actually been really successful, especially on the defensive end. And yet, I feel like I'm talking into an echo chamber, or like into a brick wall more so. When I when I try to bring these things up and try to have honest conversations about these things, but everything is just so disingenuous now. Everything, ever since Perk said what he said and made this about like racism. It has opened the door to the ugliest parts of the internet, whether it's far right-wing people now supporting the Nuggets and Jokic, which, no thank you, do not want any part of that. That seems like a horrible idea. Please go away. Do not support this dude because he's white. Like, don't do that. Like, I don't want, I don't want any part of that. Nobody wants any part of that. I think that the Nuggets and Jokic are slowly turning into the team that has the most pressure on them this season. It's been kind of a slow burn, but because of this MVP conversation, because of all of the ugliness that has been born from this, the Sixers somehow have less pressure. <laughs> the damn like Phoenix Suns somehow have less pressure because, oh man, KD turns an ankle in warmups and like now, now everybody like, Okay, they shouldn't win. They shouldn't win. But if they do beat Denver, oh man, really got to credit the Suns. Really got to credit for them, them for trading for KD. And then really got to bash the Nuggets for losing to them. And like, there's just, everything is so disingenuous right now. And I'm just very frustrated at the way that all of this has been covered, at the way that all of this has gone. And I think that this is bad for the league. I really do. I am so irritated having to talk about this all the time. All I want to talk about is to see if the Nuggets can do the thing that they have never done in their franchise history. And yet, Jokic has somehow become the lightning rod for everything that I hate about coverage. And it's horrible. So many people are trying to catch up. So many people are trying to either stay with their previous takes about Jokic or continuously evolve the takes. And honestly, both sides have been bad. The stats heads that have been really pushing him over the course of this entire regular season are somehow ignoring these games where these things do matter. If I were to vote on the MVP right now, I think I would vote for Joel Embiid. And people are going to be like, you're a Nuggets guy. You're a Nuggets analyst. I don't care. Like, I think that he cares about it more than Jokic cares about it. And I think that it's been close enough. Even if I think that Jokic is the better player, even if I think that that part of the whole discussion is going to frustrate a lot of people, I think that Embiid deserves it because of the situation that he's been put in, where they've basically foregone a lot of defensive pieces. And they like having Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Tobias Harris, guys like that, he has had to do more. And I think he has done more, especially on the defensive end that is really hard to quantify in the numbers. Do I think he's as good on offense? Hell no. Do I think that he gets the benefit of playing with James Harden, who is an MVP caliber player himself? Probably not this year, but has been in the past. Absolutely. As much as I love Jamal Murray and, and what he does, do I think that he, like, does the, Jamal give the same benefit to Jokic? No. And that's fine. But, like, I think that Embiid does deserve it. I think that he cares enough about it 
that people should want to credit him. Now, if he comes into Denver and loses on March 27th, the people are going to shut up real quick, especially if Jokic plays him. There will be a lot of discussion about all of this. <laughs> like, if, if the numbers are what they are, which say that Jokic should win, and if Embiid won on his home court and Jokic won on his home court and the Nuggets and the Sixers have basically the same record, and James Harden is also like the player that he is, it wouldn't surprise me if Jokic still won it and maybe won it going away. But that has to happen. And if Embiid comes in and plays similarly to how he played in Philly, damn right, he probably deserves the MVP. He, he has wanted it. He has craved it. He has desired it for a long time. And that's fine. Go ahead. I don't care. I really don't. It is not going to hurt me in the slightest if Joel Embiid wins. He's a great player, and it, the race has been close enough over the course of these past three years that it does kind of feel weird that Jokic has all three and Embiid has not had it. So I think it's okay if they decide to go that direction, and fans are probably going to hate on me for having this particular take, but I think that has been close enough. And I'm okay with focusing in on the playoffs because if Embiid wins the MVP and still gets out before making a conference finals, then that's part of the conversation too that Sixers fans, they don't want to talk about. If the Nuggets don't, like if Jokic doesn't get an MVP and the Nuggets go get a championship, then he's seen closer to Giannis than he is to Embiid in terms of like how valuable they actually are in the grand scheme of things. And that's what I want. I do not want, like it would be like the story would be dope if you get a three-time MVP who has to work through the previous injuries in the previous couple of years. And then when the team finally gets healthy, they win a championship. That's the best of all worlds. But I'm going to be okay if Jokic doesn't win. And I hope Nuggets fans are too, because it's just bigger than that. And the conversation has devolved into this very specific part of NBA discourse that I do not like and do not care for. And some people can care for it, and you have all the right to. I do not care. And I hope other Nuggets fans continue to have better perspective. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up with, uh, what are we going to talk? Oh, yeah, the final 15 games. Uh, Denver has a couple of things that they got to worry about over the course of these final 15. But even though they've lost, they're still okay. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in appreciate all the love on the podcast it can be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe on the audio side if you could give this a like on the youtube side subscribe to the mhs channel we are almost at 1.3k i uh, would love to get up there what honestly i want to i want to get up to 1500 subscribers by like the end of march i think that we can do that i think that there's no doubt that we can and if you aren't already subscribed i implore you to subscribe to the channel. It is not just me on this channel. There are a lot of awesome bits of coverage for the Broncos, for the Rockies, and for the Avs, the, especially the Avs. They're fantastic. So let's now talk about Denver. Let's talk about what they've done. Uh, 16 and 16 on the road. Let's face it, that's just not good enough. 
Denver has to be better on the road, and they have an opportunity coming up on a five-game road trip. I do think that Denver will be way better on this upcoming road trip, but the fact is that they have to prove it. They can't just waltz into these games and expect to win because they're going to lose to the Spurs if they give the effort that they give. And if they're going to lose to the Spurs, you better believe that they're going to lose to teams that actually care about winning a little bit more. So, magic numbers. This is interesting. The magic number for a top four seed is actually down to three. And there have been a couple losses there. That's great. But because Denver has such a lead in conference record, I believe on the Dallas Mavericks, unless something wild happens, I'm going to put the magic number at three, despite the fact that it's technically four right now. But all Denver has to do is win three games. So they're guaranteed home court in the first round. Now, Nuggets fans don't care about that. They would like to have home court for the entire West. And that is still at 11 because the Sacramento Kings have been awesome. They have been fantastic. And they are now 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Now, Denver 7-3, and three, despite the fact that they've lost their last two. So Denver actually has been pretty good. They've just lost to the Spurs and lost to the Chicago Bulls as opposed to winning some other matchups that they probably should. Uh, I think that Denver is still fine. I think that over the course of these last 15 games, they are going to be just okay. Like, they're, they're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Not going to be a big deal. And it's going to be borne out in the numbers. Let's just read through their final 15 games. They're home on Sunday versus Brooklyn. Then they go on a five-game road trip at Toronto, at Detroit, a back-to-back at New York, at Brooklyn, and then at Washington after a couple days off. They come home, have another couple days off, and then play Milwaukee on the 25th, Philly on the 27th, and New Orleans on the 30th. Got plenty of time for those games to really prepare, to really lock in, and they should like be at their best. In those games, those would be the ones where you you think about and say, okay, if you show up in those games, it almost doesn't matter what you do in the rest of them. Just show up in those and everything else will take care of itself, I think. Then they play four of their final six on the road at Phoenix. They come home for a matchup with Golden State to see how much that one matters or not. At Houston, at Phoenix, at Utah, and then they come home for a back-to-back versus Sacramento. And so some of those games may matter. Some of those games may not. It depends on how seriously the Nuggets take this upcoming road trip. Depends whether they can defend home court against the Brooklyn Nets, who have not been good over the course of their last 10, I believe. Uh, actually, no, they're 5-5. Five five. They're, they're fine. Uh, they've had some good moments, some bad moments. And in my mind, Denver is... like They're still in a good position. They control their own destiny, as I've mentioned. They've got 11. They, their magic number is 11. I think that of those games, just based off of their, they're mostly on the road at this point. I think that of those 15 games, nine of them, they will be favored. I think like the at Detroit game, they will be favored. I think at Washington, they will be favored. At Houston, they will be favored. And then if I'm not mistaken, they play six home games and they'll be favored in all of those home games. So uh, unless something crazy happens and Jokic sits or is just outs and then that kind of changes the odds and whatnot. But mostly Denver will be favored in the six home games that they have and they have nine road games, but they'll be favorites in probably three of those nine. I think 
that if Denver just sticks to that and they win the games that they're favored in, they will probably clinch. Now, because their magic number is 11, they can clinch the one seed no matter what if they just go 11 and 4. And it's not out of the question for them to go 11 and 4 in that stretch. Uh, they should win a game. Like, when I say, when I say they should, if they are the team that we believe they are, they could win on the road against anybody, let alone like average teams. Like they, they should be able to beat all average teams and below average teams on the road. But as we've seen, they if they're going to lose to Sac, uh, to San Antonio, then it's also possible that they lose to some of these other teams that are slightly better, even though Denver should win those games. But just know that Denver controls their own destiny. They do not have to go crazy over the course of the final 15. Sacramento, on the other hand, if Denver goes 9-6, and six, Sacramento has to finish the season 16-1 and one in order to pass Denver. That is a big deal because Denver doesn't have to do anything crazy in order to put things out of reach for Sacramento. It's just laying it out in those terms where Sacramento has games where it's going to matter. Uh, they are currently the two seed. They're tied with Memphis, but Memphis does not have the tiebreaker over Denver. Sacramento could potentially have the tiebreaker. This would mean that Sacramento has to win that final game against Denver because even if Sacramento goes 16-0 and in those first 16 games and then loses the game to Denver in game 82, that'll mean that Denver has the tiebreaker because the teams only play each other three times. And if Denver has the head-to-head tiebreaker, it won't matter. Now, I don't think that Sacramento is going 16-0 over the course of their next 16. So my belief is that if Denver just tries a novel concept, if they try for these next 12 games, they are probably going to clinch. Sacramento has to play teams like Phoenix. They have to play some other tough teams over the course of the stretch. They have, like, they're in the Pacific Division, which is a really tough division to have right now. And I think that they will match up with some of those teams and could potentially lose. And if that's the case, then Denver is going to have an opportunity to clinch, even though they play most of the East, they play a lot of Eastern Conference games during that stretch. I think that Denver doesn't have to do that much in order to actually clinch. I think that they are going to be just fine as long as they try. And as I said, it's a novel concept, but if Denver is serious about getting back on track after losing to Chicago and San Antonio in back-to-back games, then they will focus up. They will craft a better bench rotation. They will be the best starting lineup in the NBA statistically by locking in a little bit defensively, by playing more with more purpose on the offensive end. There were some possessions that they had against San Antonio where Aaron Gordon's just dribbling in slowly to three-pointers where they're getting offensive rebounds, kicking out, and just not really doing anything. They Everybody stays on the perimeter, not really doing anything, not really running any actions. If they play like that, they will probably get really close at the end. But they could probably sleepwalk and still go 500 in this stretch. They should be more dedicated than that, I think. But I'm also not worried about them kind of fooling around. I think that they will win enough games over the course of the stretch that they will clinch. And that would be my prediction. If they they do, I think that they will go 9-6, and six, and I think that the Kings will go 12-4. and four. 
clinching the one seed in Game 79 of the season versus Houston on April 4th. That's my official prediction. I think that Denver will get to eight or nine wins by that time, and the Kings will have three or so losses by that time. And once that actually happens, then that will make things official. I'm not even worried about Memphis. Memphis is going to have some losses too. They'll have some wins. They'll probably stick around, but I don't think that they're going to pass Denver by any stretch. I think that Denver goes 9-6 and six in their final 15, and the Kings go 12-4. and four. And if that's the case, Denver will clinch at around this point that I'm talking about. And then at that point, Denver can rest. They can chillax. They're not going to have to worry about playing game 82 in a back-to-back versus Sacramento. That's just not something that they that they have to worry about. In order for them to actually do this, though, I do believe that some changes are going to have to be made. I think CT had a good point in earlier in the podcast that Vlaco is going to have to be more involved. I think Christian Brown will have to be more involved. And if Zeke Najee is available, I would like to see what he has because there is some ability for him to switch, for him to guard. He's probably Denver's best bench defender, if I'm being honest. I don't think it's Christian Brown. I don't think it's Bruce Brown. I don't think it's anybody else. I think it's Zeke Najee. And if he is available at some point, I would like to see if he could be part of things. I don't know if he could be a part of things because I don't know if it's been too long for him being out. And a similar thing happened last year where he got hurt in the second half of the year and then could never really find a rhythm. Uh, he, He came back in game 82 and then just couldn't be trusted in the playoffs for obvious reasons. He was 20 years old and Denver needed somebody that they could trust. And unfortunately, that wasn't him at the time because he just hadn't played. I think that if he can get back, it would be great. It would be really helpful for Denver. And then they could actually figure some things out. They could use this time proactively as opposed to just trying to get through it and trying to survive the slog. I think they should also continue to rest guys. And then that puts guys like Christian Brown and uh, Zeke Naji and Vlako Chanchar in good positions where they can be a part of things, that they can actually push for more playing time. Will it actually happen? I don't know. Jeff Green seems to, uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm not even going to say. Like, I, I think that Vlako will probably be back in the rotation when he's fully healthy. And I think he's going to be in the rotation on Sunday. But if he's not, and he'll have been available for two straight games, that'll be weird. That'll just be objectively weird. So we're going to see. We're going to see what it looks like. But in general, folks, I don't think that it's crazy to be mad at the MVP race. I don't think it's crazy to be mad at the Nuggets for how they've approached some things. As I mentioned after the Memphis game last week, Denver's regular season is basically over from a standings perspective. It is really hard for these other teams, even if they go undefeated, to get past Denver because Denver controls their own destiny that much. Even a couple of weird losses haven't really changed that. It would be nice if Denver could have won those games, so I could even push on my point even more. But I don't know. I think that it's just tough. It is a is a very annoying time of year, and I am just so frustrated about the entire conversation that has surrounded the Nuggets this year because they sh- they are good. They are legitimately good, and people are now picking the time where they are not caring to really start caring about the Nuggets and what they do. And it's very frustrating. It's very odd. Uh, I'll wrap up with this question. Uh, ben Max says, Ryan, do you have any concerns about Jamal in the playoffs? No. I think Jamal's great. I think he is going to elevate his game 
he's going to be one of those guys that you saw in the Memphis game how going up against Dylan Brooks, it was not a good opportunity for him. Uh, actually, well, it was a great opportunity for him to learn. And he struggled with the physicality in the first half. And then it got him mad. And then he rose to the occasion, as he normally does in playoffs. Like, I think there will be a couple bad games here or there. Oh, there might be a horrible game here. But in general, I just trust him to raise his game to another level because I know the kind of player and the kind of person that he is, and he's just an extreme competitor. And the playoffs are where the extreme competitors really go to shine. So I am not worried about him. I think he will continue to elevate his game. I think Jokic will continue to elevate his game. I am mostly worried about the bench. I am mostly worried about who else can be a part of that. And I think that most of the starting unit is perfectly fine. But we're just going to have to see. I am curious to see what the Nuggets do over the course of the next 15, but not so curious to actually be panicking. <laughs> Dr. Van Nostrand. The Nuggets have a 97% chance of being the one seed down from 99% before these last two games. That is a perfect articulation for where they currently sit. They are fine. They're going to be okay. It's just irritating. It's just annoying, this entire conversation. So, rant over. Podcast over. Michael, hit the outro music if you can. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hit the like button on the way out if you can. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in with me on a Saturday afternoon. I know this is a weird time for the podcast to be going up, but I am excited to be able to be a part of this with you. And so we could be like, kind of like, it's kind of poetic. I, quoting the last of us, we'll lose our minds together on this MVP race because it is disgusting and disrespectful and I hate it. Let's just have the Nuggets win a championship. That'll make things better. Hit the like button on the way out, folks. See ya.